Okay, Beruchim Abayim, welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. Today we're in class number 31. Specifically, we're studying the subject of Emunah. Today we're going to be learning about a very important, essential piece of information regarding Emunah. I cannot say that we're going to be able to cover every single aspect of this because it's quite detailed and complicated. But at least we're going to walk out with Hashem's help with some basic principles that are very important for everyday living. We're going to be starting with the Ramban. The Ramban is one of the Gedoleri Shonim, one of the greatest Jews that ever lived. On his Perush to Sefer Iyov, on the Pasuk that says, Lo Yigra Mitzadik Ainav, in English translates, that Hashem never takes his eyes off of a tzaddik. Hashem is also always watching over him. Says the Ramban over there that this pasuk is explaining what he calls Anyan Gadol Be'anyan Hashgaha. A very important, very big very big anyan, a very big subject. In the subject of Hashgaha. Hashgaha means how Hashem is watching over each individual and the world. How does it work? He says, and there are many other Pesukim like this. For example, later on, he brings a Pasuk from Tehilim. Ragle Hasidav Yishmor which means Hashem watches over the feet of those who follow Him. Says the Ramban, what is this important anyan that I'm going to share with you? He says that we don't find that Hashem is watching over the animals. He says, the animals live under the umbrella of nature. He says, only humans. In his words, not all humans, but the humans that understand and they turn to Hashem, ka'asher libam ve'anehem tamid imo, he says, when there are people whose eyes and hearts are always towards him, they're looking for his guidance, they're looking for his protection. Can Hashem alehem? So too Hashem will watch over them. From the beginning of the year till the end of the year. 
He says, those who turn to Hashem and see that Hashem is the only one that can help them, so Hashem will be there for them. What if you have a human, a person, who is far in his thoughts or in his actions from Hashem, which means he doesn't turn to Hashem, he's not connected at all. Here's the key words he says, which is today's class. This person who doesn't turn to Hashem, who doesn't see Hashem as the one watching over him, he doesn't have the bitahon in Hashem. He says this person will be sent The word ne'ezav means he will be left. Mikrim means to nature. He will be under the umbrella of nature. Basically the Ramban is saying that there are two ways a person can be guided in this world where his life is guided from one thing to the next. You can be guided by nature or you can be guided by Hashem. Either Hashem is the one who's watching over you and controlling every single step that goes on in your life, whatever happens to you, whatever results happen because of your efforts. Either Hashem is controlling your life from A to Z, from beginning to end, or you're under the umbrella of nature. And whatever happens to you is just a product of being under the umbrella of the natural world. And that's where your destiny is going to depend on Teva, on the Mikrim. So this has to be explained. What does that mean? That my happenings, if I don't fully trust in Hashem, so I'm left to the leadership of nature. What does that mean? Does that mean that what happens to me is totally not from Hashem? Does that mean that random things can happen to me that Hashem did not decide? Does it mean I will be in the hands of people or things that despite or without Hashem's guidance, they're doing things to me, they're hurting me, they're upsetting me? Is that what we mean when we say you're under the umbrella of nature? So let's review one more time. If a person's under... Hashem's guidance, nothing will happen to them unless Hashem is decreeing that it should happen. Hashem watches over them. Nobody can hurt them. Nobody can help them. No one can do anything. Hashem is fully in control of their life. That's if you're under His umbrella. If you're not under His umbrella, because you're not looking to Him, so like the Ramban says, you're Ne'ezav Lamikrim person, you're under a different umbrella. You're under the 
nature umbrella. It would seem that under the nature umbrella, things just happen. Meaning, if let's say, God forbid, a person gets punched, so that's not from Hashem. It's part of nature. Sometimes you walk the street and someone might punch you. If a person gets hit by a car, God forbid, that's not Hashem. What do you mean? Things happen. You walk the streets. Sometimes cars get hit. People get sick. Sometimes people can become very wealthy. It's part of nature. It doesn't mean Hashem gave them the money. Just so happened. He made money. It, within the natural world, just like what zechut did an elephant have to live? Why is Hashem giving him food? What did he do? Nothing. He's under nature. Part of nature is if you're an elephant, you get food. It's not a reward. It's not a punishment. It's not being guided by Hashem. It's under the umbrella of the natural world. So you can be under that umbrella. And now you're not guided by God. You're basically left like the rest of the animals of the world to the natural nature of this world. But that's not really true. This second umbrella we just discussed, the Ne'ezab Lamikrim, isn't as simple as I just said. Because the Gemara says that a person cannot lift his finger unless Hashem decrees. So what does it mean if I'm not Boteyah Bashem, that I'm left to the Mikrim? What does Ramban mean by that? So what the Ramban means is, of course, that even in nature, who is controlling nature? Hashem is. He is behind nature. So when we say you're under nature, what it means really is that you're under Hashem's guidance through nature. Instead of being guided directly from Hashem, you are guided by the nature which He guides. So, for example, what does that mean? I'll give you an example. You know, today they have computers. Before they sell the computer, they have programmers. They code the computer. The computer has millions and millions of different codings that the computer will understand what to do whenever the person who's typing is telling him to do something. So if it says, okay, add for me, add for me, two plus two. Now the computer doesn't understand two plus two. But someone already programmed that two plus two equals four. So if somebody asked you two plus two, write back four. If they ask you two times three, the computer doesn't know two times three. But somebody put in the program, when they say two times three, you put six. So he knows how to react in every, every situation, for every question, for every key that's pressed. For anything that happens, the computer is already programmed to spit back <clears throat> the proper response to whatever it is that you're doing. Now, if you do 2 plus 2, 
and then you write plus two. So you already remembered, it's four plus two. And it continues. And if you press this after you press that, and then you go here, and then you go there, and at the same time you do that, it's already all programmed. So when the computer gives you answers, it's not the computer that gives you the answers. It's the programmer behind the computer who already put it in the system. So too, when it comes to nature, if you could imagine this, each person has already been programmed for his life. What will happen if this happens? What will happen if they react this way? What will be if they react that way? And what's going to happen if they don't react at all? And what's going to be if they make this decision? Or what will be if they make that decision? Every single decision that you make and I make is like another key which already has a program from the programmer, the creator of the world. He already programmed that by doing for some people, for example, I'll give you an example. Let's say a person, he's programmed, like most people, that if they smoke, they're going to get, God forbid, sick and they're going to die. That's this guy. Now, some people don't have that program. There are certain people that could smoke a thousand years and nothing happens to them. It's not the norm. It's not the norm, but it's very possible that there are people who smoke and nothing happens to them at all. All that was programmed when they were created. Hashem already wrote the program for this person. This person, if they smoke, they're not going to make it. This person, if they work, they're going to make a lot of money. If they don't work, they won't make it. This person will never make a lot of money. This per- Everyone's got their program. And all of the different results based on their different reactions is already been coded into the nature for that person. So therefore, a person, for example, can make a lot of money. And really, it's not because Hashem gave him the money per se, directly. But it's the nature of his nature that Hashem already programmed his nature that based on certain actions or lack of, whatever it is, he will get certain results. So, let's review. There are two ways of hashgaha. Either you can be directly guided by Hashem, which means at every moment He's deciding what's the next step, or you could be under nature, which we just explained doesn't mean that anything could happen to you. It doesn't mean that someone could just come up and hit you in the head. It can't be. That someone could just run over you in a car. No, that can't be. Because Hashem runs nature also. He's behind nature. So if something happened to you under the umbrella of nature, it's still guided by Hashem. Now you might ask me, so who cares then? What's the difference? What's the difference if I'm under His umbrella or I'm under an umbrella that He controls? At the end of the day, I'm still under Hashem's umbrella. What is the difference? What's so bad about being ne'ezav la'mikrim, like the Ramban says, 
means now you're in nature, you're left to nature. So what? Nature is no different than being under Hashem. They're both the same. What is the difference between the two? So we're going to learn today two major differences between being, like it says in the Pasuk, if Hashem is watching over you, or it's nature through Hashem. The first difference, we're going to assume for now that the results will be the same. If Hashem watches over me, or nature guided by Hashem. Let's assume the results are the same, which means if Hashem watches over me, I'm going to make a lot of money. Or if nature watches over me, like through Hashem, through nature, I'll also make it. What's the difference? Let's say the results don't change. At the end of the day, the results will be exactly the same. If I go to the doctor and I am under Hashem, or I'm under nature, it's under Hashem, the same. Let's say the results would be exactly the same. So if the results are exactly the same, so seemingly there's really no difference. What's the difference if I have bitahon or I don't have bitahon? The results will always be the same. Let's assume the results will be the same. For this point, let's assume nothing will be different if you have bitahon. I mean, you're not going to make any more money or less money. You're not going to have any more refuah or less. You're not going to have anything different than what's going on in your life. The results will be the same. But one will be directly from Hashem and one will not. Will there still be a difference? So the answer is yes. There's going to be a very big difference between the two. Even if the results are equal. In what way? Why is there a difference? So, one of the, not one of, the greatest pleasure in life the number one pleasure in life. There are many different types of pleasure. Maybe one of these days in these classes we'll be learning about each one of them. But the greatest form of pleasure in life is the pleasure of living under Hashem's umbrella. Which means that when a person has a relationship with the creator of the world, it is a tremendous pleasure that accompanies the person every moment of their life. We have a, we'll call it a counterfeit to that pleasure in this world. The counterfeit of that pleasure in this world, which we all know about, we may not know why we enjoy, but we do. That is the pleasure of being around great people, famous people, rich people. A person who sees somebody who's big and they're around them, they feel big, they feel important. People will travel for weeks and weeks just to be in the presence of a great person. 
Now that great person depends what they think is great. If it's a great author, so they can wait online for hours and hours just so he could sign their book. If he's a great rabbi, they will travel across the world just to be by him for five minutes. If he's, in a, he's a very powerful person, he's the president of the United States, being in his Dalit Amot, in his four Amot, is so special. In fact, people take pride if they have a number. You know, I have the, not, not the president's number, I have the person who is very close to the president's granddaughter. So, it's, it's in my phone. I have it. So, like, I, could call, I could call them. And that's very special. Wow. You have a connection to greatness. People can actually pass out from being around the greatness that they feel is great. This is a feeling that humans have around great things. They can't really explain why they feel this way. Like, what does it matter if that famous person signs my book? What's the difference that now you have the number of this person? Like, who cares that you can call them? What does it matter? If they're doing something for you, maybe I understand. But usually it's not even about them doing something for me. It's just the very fact that I have a relationship with them. I feel very hashu and very special. The answer is that that pleasure is the counterfeit of the real pleasure. The real pleasure is to be around real greatness. There is a magnet inside every human that pulls them to greatness. Now, if you think a guy on a mic singing is greatness, so then you'll be in awe being around that person. If you think money is greatness, so a person who has money, you'll be around them and you'll feel so special. People will do anything to be around that person. They just want to be invited to that person's party. They just want to be close to that person. They want it so badly. It's just a thing. Yes, what is he doing for you? Like, what do you care? Can't explain it. It feels very special. Because me, money is big. So if money is big, being around money is such a pleasure. So if I think music is big, being around music is awesome. If I think books are big, being around a writer who's big is big. Whatever it is I think is big, that's what I'm going to feel special around that gadol. That magnet that all of us have is meant to be directing us to the biggest, to something that's really big. And that's the creator of the world. Feeling and being around the creator of the world, living with the creator of the world, is the greatest pleasure in life. There's nothing like it. When a person gets what he gets directly from Hashem, so he feels, Hashem will give it to him in a way, and he will feel it as a result. He will feel it's coming from him. 
But if a person's under nature, so even though Hashem is really giving it to him, but he's giving it to him through someone else. So you may be getting the same result, but the hand that's giving it to you is not the hand of Hashem. So you lost your relationship. I'll give you an example of that. It says in Bereshit that Hashem told the Nahash, the snake, Ki asita zot, because of what you did to get Adam and Hava to sin, Arur ata, you are now cursed from all the animals. Mikola behema. From all the wild animals. You are cursed. What is the curse? Which means you will walk on your belly. Your whole life, your new diet is dirt. All you would eat is dirt. You're going to eat dirt, 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 dirt. That's it. Your whole life. Now, as humans, who are used to having different types of fruits and vegetables and meals and drinks, when we first read this, oh wow, Hasid, the Nahashi really got killed. He eats dirt. Who wants to eat dirt? But in reality, when we think about it, really he was given a tremendous gift. You see the Nahash, his food is dirt. That means when he sees dirt, you see in your chicken sandwich, he sees in his dirt. That's his food. And he is way better than us. As the Gemara says in Masechet Yoma, look at this curse. What kind of curse is this? He tells the Nahash, you can eat dirt, says the Gemara. He goes on the roof. He has food on the roof. Yored lemata, He's hiding on the ground. He has food. No matter where the Nahash is, anywhere in the world, he always has dirt. There's nothing more than dirt on this planet. You never have to worry about what you're going to cook. You never have to worry about going to work so you can afford buying food for yourself even. No need. You have dirt. Imagine going out today and taking a pot and putting some dirt inside. And that's your dinner. That's it. It's so easy. How? How much effort has been wasted by mankind just trying to put food on the table? How much worry have people experienced because how am I going to afford this? How am I going to pay for that? All of that, the Nahash, is patur, is exempt. Hashem basically gave him endless amount of parnasa. He told him, Ve'afar tochal kol Now, why is that a curse? That's what the Hidushe Harim asks, along with others, what kind of curse is that? So he brings a mashal. 
He says, one time there was a king. He had three children, three boys. Two of them were great, well-behaved, responsible, doing many, many things for the king and for the country. But one of the boys was completely off, out of control, no responsibility, never wakes up on time, doesn't do what he's supposed to be doing, always makes trouble. And the king continuously warns him and tells him and gives him musar, nothing's happened. After a while, he says, listen, I think we have to part ways. You can no longer be in my palace. He tells him, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to throw you out. He throws him out. All of a sudden, he says, one second, wait, come back. Takes out a credit card. He says, here's my card. Whenever you need anything, you could just use this card. Card card, it's open. The other boys are watching this, and they're stunned. They can't believe it. After he leaves, they ask their father, I don't understand. We're the good boys. We're the ones doing the right things. You don't give us a credit card. Every time we need something, we have to come ask you. Dad, can I have this? Dad, can you buy me that? Can I? This guy, you threw him out of your house. You threw him out of your house. And you give him an open credit card? Where's the logic here? Where's the fairness here? The father tells them, this boy, I don't want to have any relationship with him. We're done. I don't want him to ask me for anything. I don't want him to talk to me. Our relationship is severed. It's over. So I gave him everything he needs. So this way he never calls me again. But me and you, I want to be close to you. If I give you everything, you're never going to call me. So I make sure that there's a reason for us to have a relationship. If you need something, you ask me, and then I give it to you. By me giving you, and you asking, me giving, and you asking, we develop a relationship. You see, very often in life, there are excuses for a relationship. For example, person wants to go out to dinner with his parents, with his mother, with his father. The goal is not the food. The food is only a medium to the relationship. So too, Hashem says to us, I need you to come ask me so that we develop this relationship with each other. Because you're going to ask me, I'm going to give you, you're going to say thank you, you ask me again, and then with the, and all of a sudden, we have a close relationship with each other. That was the curse of the Nahash. Hashem tells the Nahash, goodbye. We no longer have a possible relationship. When a person gets something from Hashem directly, he will feel Hashem is the one giving it to him. And if he's getting it through nature, Hashem is so behind the wall of nature that the person can actually feel they made the money because they're so smart. 
because they made a good move. Oh, what luck it was that I made that. A person will constantly see natural reasons why they got what they got. And because of that, they don't have any relationship with the creator of the world, which is the biggest curse. That's the curse of Nahash, that we live in this world without living with him. Give you another example. In Devarim, Moshe Rabbeinu, at the end of his life, comes to give Hizuk to the Jewish people. And he tells them, listen, they're in the Midbar, they're in the desert, they're about to enter Eretz Yisrael. He tells them, listen, the land that you're going into, that's Eretz Yisrael, lo ke'eretz mitzrayimi. It's not like Egypt. In Egypt, you have the Nile. And when you plant in Egypt, you just go to the Nile and you water all of what you planted. But the land that you're going into, Eretz Harim Ukaot. It's all mountains and valleys and hills and open land. There's no water, there's no Nile over there. So how are we going to get water over there? Limtar Hashamayim Tishtemayim. The land of Israel, its survival and agriculture is rain. No rain, you have a problem. So the land that you're going to, says Moshe Rabbeinu, is not like Mitzrayim. In Mitzrayim, you have it all. It's right there. The Nile is right there. But in Israel, it's not like that. In Israel, there's no Nile or anything like that. You need water from Shemaim. Now, anyone who's listening to Moshe Rabbeinu talk, when he first said, guys, the land of Israel is not like Egypt, so you're waiting for something good. So he tells them something not good. Says that I'm bad. No, no, you missed it. The land of Israel is better than Egypt. But what do you mean? There's no Nile. Says that about yeah, there's no Nile. It's the whole point. The whole point of Moshe Rabbeinu telling them this is to tell them that the land of Egypt, you can live in Egypt and live under the umbrella of nature and not see Hashem once. The farmer will tell you, what do you mean? We got the Nile. The Nile is giving me my parnasa. You never have to go to sleep at night worried if tomorrow morning you're going to have food. In Egypt, there are no worries because the Nile is always there. The storage of food is always there. So you never have to think about Hashem, ask Hashem for something, please give, there's no please. You have it all. It's like a mini Nahash world. Not fully like the Nahash, but like the Nahash. But in Eretz Israel, it's not like that. It's a country that demands a connection to Hashem. Because the way it's built is you have to turn. You could go and plow and you could sow and you could do whatever you want to do. But until you get rain, and there's no formula for rain, you can't make rain come. It's not like that. Until you get rain, you're not getting anything. So at some point, you're going to have to turn your head up. Maybe not day one. The day one only the tzaddikim learn to Hashem, turn to Hashem. Day, day two, 
tzaddikim, day eight, day 100, at some point, the guy is watching his field and nothing is growing. At some point, he's got to turn his head up. He said, I need you. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, that's the kind of land that you go into. That it's built in a way that promotes a relationship with the creator of the world. That was the way the Jewish people lived in the desert. You see, in the desert, there was nothing in their freezers, nothing in their refrigerators, nothing in their pantries, nothing in the supermarket, no groceries, no fruit stores, nothing. Imagine going to sleep at night and an entire nation, millions of people, don't have anything to eat. What does that mean? Imagine even in our own homes, imagine going to sleep with nothing there, nothing. Now, if you wake up in the morning and you're interested like in an early, uh, you know, late night snack, you don't have it. You're, there's nothing there. You can't, there's nothing there. Every morning, they had to wait for the man to come. The Gemara asks, why did Hashem just give them one man once a year? Every morning it has to rain to, to wait for the man. The answer is that the way Am Yisrael lived in the desert was the highest level of living. You know, in Israel, it's only about rain. But there's other ways to get water at the end of the day. But in the desert, there was nothing to do. Really nothing to do. Only man, and every day they had to look and wait for that man. Man, The man created a tremendous connection between Am Yisrael and Hashem. Now what does it mean that I won't know that Hashem is the one giving it to me? Again, we said, if you're under nature, you're going to see a lot of blessings in your life which is beautiful, but the blessings don't translate into a relationship. Imagine as a mother or father, you give and 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 you give give your children. And all you want is the, the relationship. You want them to come over. You want them to spend time with you. But for some reason, they don't realize that it's you giving them. It's so frustrating. That's the way it works with Hashem. If you're living under the umbrella of nature, you're like the person who keeps getting, 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 but never sees the giver. And if you say, so what's the big deal? The big deal is that you're missing out on the greatest relationship in the world. That's why we say in Tehillim, beautiful words, says David HaMelech, <clears throat> he says, Olam, I raise my eyes to you, you who live in Shemaim. He says, when I look to you, Hashem, I'm, it, it, I feel like an Eved, like a servant, like a slave, whose eyes are to the hands of his master. You know, a slave doesn't own anything. He doesn't even own his own body. He has nothing. 
So how does he get food? How does he get sustenance? How does he get a place to sleep? How does he get anything in his life? His master. That's all he has is his master. We don't have that relationship today, so we don't view it, can't imagine it. But try to imagine a person whose every step and every possession is controlled by somebody. So the only one he looks to is his master. I'm just like the Eved who looks to the hand of his master. Just like the maidservant looks to her mistress, she wants, she, she, only she can give it to her. Nobody can give her what she needs. Ken! So too, our eyes are turned to Hashem. Now, if you look at this pasuk, next time you read it, you'll notice it. There's something a little off in the pasuk. Let's see how it starts. Like the eyes of the slaves, to the hand of their master. Like the eye of the maidservant, like the eyes of the maidservant. Eliyad gevirta, to the hand of her boss. Ken, so too, our eyes, El Hashem elokenu, to Hashem. What happened to the mashal and the nimshal? Usually the nimshal is like the mashal. The mashal was a person who's looking to the hand of his master. Why in the nimshal we leave out the hand? It says, Ken Ainenu. We don't say, Eliad Hashem Elokeinu. Ken Ainenu El Hashem Elokeinu. So the answer is, because when it comes to a slave, the only thing he's interested in is what the master gives him. He doesn't care about the master. He's not turning to the master because he wants to be close to the master. It's just that the master is his vending machine and he can only get what he wants from the machine if he turns to him. So Eliad, he looks to the Yad of his master. But Ainenu, when we turn to Hashem, the goal is not what he's giving us. The opposite. What he's giving us is only an excuse to get to the goal. Ken Ainenu El Hashem Elokeinu. Hashem wants us to ask, not because he wants to give us. He could have given us without us asking. The reason why he wants us to ask, because El Hashem, because we want to be close to him. Our goal is not the hand that he gives us from our goal is himself. This is the person who's living under the umbrella of Hashem. Everything they get, they see Hashem giving it to them. And when that happens, all of a sudden, they become connected to the creator of the world. They see their teeth, their mouth, their ears, their eyes, their oxygen, their fruits, their vegetables, their money, their health, their children, their marriage, their everything. All of a sudden, they see a direct connection to 
to the creator of the world. Now more than that, more than that, this week's parasha that we just read. Parasha talks about Am Yisrael when they don't have a connection to Hashem. And because of that, they're going to have to suffer certain consequences. So the Pasuk warns us that after we get the consequences, we're supposed to, wait. oh, wow, they wake up. Ve'im telechu emi keri says Hashem, and if you, if your reaction to my wake-up calls is keri, what's keri? Keri is mikre. Mikre, meaning it's nature. Like it says in the Rambam, ne'izav la mikrim. If your reaction when I send you a wake-up call, then it's nature. Things happen. People get sick all the time. People lose their money all the time. People get hit by cars all the time. It's, it's nature. It's nature. It's just nature. It's what happens. It's not a message. It's not, it's not a wake-up call. It's not Hashem. It's nature. When things happen in your life, small or large, and you say it's just nature. And you don't fix the relationship. Hashem says, you'll get more wake-up calls. And if again you say nature, listen to these words. I also will behave with you through nature. And you'll get more wake-up calls. Says the Ora Hayim HaKadosh, what does that mean? I understand if the human reaction is, it's nature. But what does it mean when Hashem says, I will behave with you also through nature? What does He mean by that? Says the Ora Hayim HaKadosh, which explains so much. Question bothers me for many, many years. And I saw this Ora Haim HaKadosh and thought, wow, here's the answer. Hazal tell us that when Hashem sends a punishment to a person, it's Midah Keneged Midah, which means it's something similar to what he needs to fix. Now the logic of that is obvious. Hashem is not sending us because he's angry with us. Like we get angry with people, so we want to punish them. It's a father, a mother, who wants to send the message. They can't control their child, but they want to send the message. So as much as they can, they'll try to send the message. And even if it's a little harsh, you have to stay in your room now. I'm taking away your cup. The goal is not that. The goal is to improve yourself. So as much as you can, you can't control your child. But as much as you can, you can try to send messages. So what does it mean that Hashem will send the message through keri, through nature? Excuse me. I, I went ahead. So midah keneged midah means that Hashem, when He punishes us, quote-unquote punish, when He sends wake-up calls, it will be a type of wake-up call where we will be able to trace back and say, oh, I knew I shouldn't have spoken like that yesterday. 
Look what happened to me. Oh, I knew I shouldn't have taken that money. Look what happened to me. Oh, I knew I shouldn't have been lazy there. Look what happened to me. Oh, I knew I shouldn't waste my time. I knew I shouldn't have done that. Look what happened to me. When I see what happens to me, I trade. I, oh, I'm going to fix myself. Midah, keneged midah. Hazal tell us, that's the way Hashem talks to us. Midah, keneged midah. It's always bothered me that very often things happen to me, and maybe to you, and I really don't know why. I don't have, I can't trace it back. I don't know how, I don't know why this happened to me now. I'm trying to think, why would this happen to me? Why? And I don't see it. So sometimes you see it, but very often you don't see it. You don't see how what happened to you this second somehow is connected to what you did last week, last month. But the Ora Haim HaKadosh answers the question. He says, if you live under nature, and even when Hashem sends you wake-up calls, you say, oh, it's nature. Hashem will continue to send you wake-up calls, but you won't see Him. He'll make sure that He sends it in a way where you won't realize it's from Him. So even though you're getting the wake-up call, but you're not seeing the midah keneged midah. Because since you've chosen to be under the umbrella of nature, so not only will you not read the blessings as Hashem's gifts, but also when Hashem sends you a loving wake-up call, you will not see a wake-up call. You will see nature. That's what it means. I will send you wake-up calls, but you won't even realize that it's a wake-up call because you're under the umbrella of nature. So that's one major difference. One major difference between being under Hashem's Hashgaha or being under um, the Hashgaha of nature. That even if the results will be exactly the same, everything the same, the same health, the same money, the same shiduchim, the same children, the same everything. You look at yourself and the neighbor next to you and you have exactly the same. But it's very different. Because in this house, Hashem is there. And in this house, Hashem is absent. And when Hashem is absent, you're missing the greatest pleasure of life. is to live in His presence. The koach, the pleasure, the, the, the beauty of all that comes with that is missing. So you have the money. Oh yeah, you got married, no problem. You can get married without Hashem. You can have children without Hashem. You could be super wealthy without Hashem. You can. You can, it's not a question. Oh, how is that person? Not a question. But just because you're getting everything, it doesn't mean that you have a relationship. You could be, in fact, if you get a lot, you have to worry that maybe you like the Nahash. Yeah, if it's going too well, you really have to start worrying. If you have no relationship with the creator of the world, and it's going so well for you, you really have to start worrying. 
that maybe you got to the certain red line where Hashem says, Al take all the money, take everything, you have help, you never have to turn to me. I'm going to give you help, I'm going to give you shiduchim, I'm going to give you children, I'm going to give you everything. Sometimes the tzaddik looks at himself, I don't understand. I'm looking to Hashem, I, I'm close to him, I'm struggling with shiduch. This guy, his daughter's 16, she's already getting married. I'm struggling having children. This guy, 20 kids. I can't pay the, the bills at the end of the month. This person? It's not necessarily what you think. It could very well be that the blessings or the abundance of the blessings could be themselves the biggest curse. So again, even if all results are the same, there's a huge difference. The physical results might be the same, but the translation, you may have the same Yad giving you, but you only have the Yad. You don't have the relationship. But there's more than that. Because the results will not be the same. It's not the same results. What Hashem coded into nature is not the same as when He gives it to you. Even in the form of results. And this needs a lot of explanation. But I hope you're following me. Let me just review so I don't lose you. We started this class saying, there are two types of hashkaha. You could be under direct involvement of Hashem in your life. Or He can be involved behind the walls of nature. Which also means He's involved, 100%. But through nature. We said, what's the difference? So we said first that even if all results would be the same, but one major difference is that in one you're living, clearly you see Hashem's hand. Hashem will make it that you see Hashem's hand. He'll give it to you in a way where you see His hand. And the other way, Hashem will walk with you, Bekeri. Whether He's blessing you or He's waking you up, whatever He's doing, you're not going to see Him. And now, we're going to read the Havot Lelavot. The Havot Lelavot says, Mi sheboteah b'mashu aher chutz me'ashem If you have bitahon, if you feel your security from someone other than God, for example, you feel secure because you have money, or you feel secure because you're very strong, or because you're very well connected. Or because you have a very strong army behind you. Or because any other type of power in your life that you feel secure. What's going to happen to me tonight? The police department is right down the block. It's okay. I mean, I have an alarm system. So when I put the alarm on, what's going to happen? Anything happens, the alarm company gets the call. Right away, they're here. They call in the police. Boom, one, two, three. I have nothing to worry about tonight. We don't have to worry living in New York City. What's the problem? We have the, we have the army. The U.S. Army is the greatest army in the world. Nothing to worry about. Well, good. I feel secure. It's fine. I have so much money saved up. I'm never going to go hungry. Not me. Not my children. Not my country. I'm good. Look, my health is very good. I have best doctors looking at me. 
the best doctors are watching over me. I'm going to be fine. The shatchanim that I'm connected with, oh, they're the top and they love me. I will get the best shidduch. There's no issue. It's all good. Says the Havot Levavot, someone who has bitahon in his doctor, in his money, in anything else outside of Hashem, Ha'elohim mesir mimenu hashkahato. Hashem stops watching over him. Ve'ozev oto beyad mi shebatah alav. And he will leave you in the hands of whoever you feel secure in. So you trust the doctor? Good. Hashem says, you're in his hands. You trust the Shadchan? Good. You're in his hands. You trust your money. Excuse me, your money? You'll be in that hands. Whoever you trust in, Hashem will say, listen, I'm out. You don't look to me. I'm out. You trust in them, so then you're gonna be in their hands. Let me give you an example of that, because this needs a lot of explanation. From a, from a pasuk in the Torah, Torah commands us. Today we we think that's a natural part of the Jewish people to have a melech, to have a king. We know David melech Israel, Shaul hamelech, but. It's very interesting where the Torah and how the Torah commands us about setting up a king in Am Yisrael. Torah says, Kitavo el ha'aretz. When you go into the land of Israel, Ve'yashavta bah, and you will reside, you'll take it over, you'll live there. Ve'amarta, and if you say, Asima alai melech, I want to have a king. Kechol ha'goyim asher sevivotai. All the nations around me have a melech. Pelishtim have a melech. Amon has a melech. Moab has a melech. Mitzrayim has a melech. Every country has a melech. So when you go to Eretz Yisrael and you say, listen, I want a king just like every other nation. So what's the halacha? If the Jewish people ask for a melech, should we give them a melech? Says the pasuk, Som tasim alecha melech. Then you should go ahead and put a king over you. This is one of the 613 mitzvot. To put a melech in Am Yisrael is one of the 613 mitzvot. But it's such a weird mitzvah. Look at the way the mitzvah is presented to us. Usually mitzvot are, for example, Ba'erev tochlu matzot the night of Pesach, eat matzah. It doesn't say, if you're in the mood, the night of Pesach, and you say, listen, I want to commemorate Yitzhak Mitzrayim, 
Hashem will say, oh, you do? Eat matzah. You know, I'm really excited about Shabbat. Can we have Shabbat this week? Hashem says, then keep Shabbat. It's not like that. You don't find any mitzvah We don't find any mitzvah in the Torah. Maybe there is, I didn't pay attention. That says, when you ask to put a king, then you should put a king. If there's a mitzvah to put a king in Am Yisrael, why do we have to ask? And if it's not good, what does it matter that we ask? Hashem, when He gives us mitzvot, they're either good mitzvot or they're not good mitzvot. This mitzvah is weird. If you ask, then there's a mitzvah. If you don't ask, there's no mitzvah. Why? Also, when we go into Tanakh, we open Sefer Shmuel. Shmuel was approached when he got older. Shmuel was not a king. Shmuel was a shofet. There were no kings in Am Yisrael for hundreds of years. When Shmuel got older, all the elders of Israel came to him and they told him, listen, you're getting old. We want a king. To follow you. What was Shmuel's reaction? He was very upset when they asked for a king. Hashem tells Shmuel, whatever they asked you, do it. They want a king, get him a king. But look at the words Hashem uses. And you're getting upset, he says. It's not you that they are despising. They're rejecting me. They're rejecting me from being their king. So it's not you. You didn't do anything. It's me. They're, they're, they're rejecting me as being their king. And when you read this pasuk, and you say to yourself, one second, Hashem, didn't you write in the Torah that a king is a mitzvah? It's one of the 613 mitzvot. So why would Hashem consider them appointing a king as a rejection of himself when he told them to put a king? Could you imagine you keep Shabbat, Motzei Shabbat, Hashem comes to you and says, thanks for rejecting me. What do you mean I rejected you? You kept the Shabbat. You told me to. How can me following Hashem's order be considered a rebellion of the king? He said, put a king. Som tasim alecha melech. Why is he feeling rejected when we're following the rules that he gave? The answer to these questions brings us to this fundamental nekudah. And that is, if Am Yisrael 
would have total bitachon in Hashem. If they would declare Hashem Melech the way they're supposed to, meaning when they go to sleep at night, their security comes because Hashem is watching them. And when they go to work, they understand Hashem will give them. And if they're walking around and healthy, they know Hashem is giving them that. If Am Yisrael would live under the umbrella of Hashem, then they don't need a Melech. Because they already have a Melech. Hashem is watching over them. There's no need for a king. But if the Jewish people say, I want a Melech. Oh, you want a Melech? That means your security is not coming from me. You're not turning to me. So now you are looking for security under the natural world. If you're going to live under the natural world, you better get a melech. Because if you live under the natural world without a melech, then it's dangerous. The results will change if you live under Hashem or if you live under the natural world. Let me explain. If I live under the natural world, I need protection. There are bad people out there. There are countries that don't like us. There are people who want to kill us. So in the natural world, you need police. You need an army. You need a government. You can't live in the natural world and not take the steps and the precaution of what it takes to live in a natural world. If you rely only on Hashem. Hashem is above nature. Above nature. If you're above nature, it doesn't matter what's going on in the natural world. I'll give you an example. We spoke about a person who's smoking. So this person was coded that if they smoke, they're going to get sick. And they're going to die. That's the way it works. That was their program. That's the nature that Hashem wrote for that person. All of a sudden, the person wakes up and realizes, you know something? He reads Havot Levavot. He comes to today's class and he starts realizing, what am I doing? What am I doing putting my bitahon in doctors, in, in anything but the creator of the world? And all of a sudden, he turns his life around. And imagine you can make a total 180. And now going forward, he says, Borei Olam, I know you're in control. I'm doing my hishtadlut by going to the doctors because I have to, because you told me to. But I don't trust anybody. Any result is coming from you. I only look to you. That's it. Total bitachon I pray to you, I ask you, and I know I'm in your hands. Now, Hashem is above nature. In the nature, Hashem coded you for nature. In the code of your nature, you're not making it. You're not going to make it. That's what, that's what Hashem coded for you. But when you turn to the creator of the world, for his hashgaha, 
His hashgaha, he's above nature. He's not dependent on nature. So it's possible that the person who, according to the nature, should not make it. But if he turns to Hashem, Hashem could save him from that. Because now you're under his umbrella. And his umbrella is not decided by nature. He decided what's under nature. So you have to decide for yourself. Do you want to be under nature? Or you want to be under him? So when Am Yisrael is under his umbrella, they don't need a melech. Ah, according to the nature of the world, you need a melech to protect you. Yeah, but if I'm relying on Hashem, then he's above nature. It doesn't matter. But if I'm not living under Hashem's umbrella, then it's a mitzvah. It's an obligation. You must get a melech. You can't put yourself in danger. You have to have a melech. Because where you are and the way you are and the way you're living your life, you're in real danger without a melech. You better get one. So it's one of these weird mitzvot that really it's preferable. We don't have it. It's preferable you lived under his umbrella. You don't need a melech. But once you turn to a melech, then you must get a melech. Because then otherwise, you're leaving yourselves to the controls of nature, and nature needs a melech. That's why on Rosh Hashanah, this coming Rosh Hashanah, maybe you'll remember this, in Musaf, one of the themes of Musaf is what we call malchiot. Malchiot means we crown Hashem as the melech. That's one of the reasons why we blow the shofar. To crown Hashem as the melech. Now, it's not just words, obviously. What's the purpose of that? Why on Rosh Hashanah do we need to crown him as a melech? The Gemara says, Imru lefanai berosh Hashanah malchiot. Which means, declare me as your king. Kedeh shetamlichuni alechem. So that I can be your king. Can you imagine that? One more time. Declare me as your king so I can be your king. What do you mean, Hashem? Just be my king. What do I have to declare you? Because that's the way it works, like the Ramban says. If you declare Hashem as you, on Rosh Hashanah, you're coming to Yom Adin. According to the list, according to the nature, who knows what you should be or not be getting Rosh Hashanah? Who knows? If you leave your deen up to the nature, it's, who knows, dependent on the nature. But if you want a deen from him directly, of course you would want that. Hashem says, okay, I could do it for you. But you got to crown me first. First you got to crown me. First you got to look to me. And then I could be your melech. Then I could be your king. That's what the Pasuk says. Yehi hasdecha Adonai alenu. Your kindness, Hashem, will be upon us. Ka'asher When we turn to you. Your kindness, not kindness. Kindness we can get without Hashem directly. But hasdecha, that we should see your kindness. Yehi hasdecha Hashem alenu. Ka'asher That's what the Pasuk says. Baruch ha'gever. Asher yiptah badonai. Blessed is the person who has bitahon in Hashem, Vehaya Adonai Miftaho. 
Hashem will be his security. Meaning, when you turn to him for your security, then he will be your security. If you don't turn to him, you're under nature. This explains, by the way, what the Meraglim meant when they came back to the Jewish people and they said, listen guys, over there in Israel, we saw giants. Bene Anak. These were people, scary people. You're going to go over there and capture the place? Scary! Now remember, the Meraglim lived through Kiriat Yamsuf. They lived through the Ten Makot. We left Mitzrayim miraculously. So when we read this, we say, okay, so what? So what? You saw giants, big deal. Hashem is doing it for you. But that's what they say. Vesham ra'inu et ha-nefilim anak. Vanehi be'enenu kahagabim. He says, we felt around them. We were so scared when we saw them. Miraglim are recording. We were so scared when we saw them. We felt like grasshoppers. We felt like flies. We were so scared. Says the Hafez Hayim. What were they telling the Jewish people? Don't they know that Hashem can take care of the giants too? What's the big deal? So they're giants. Says the Hafez Hayim. Look what happened to us. We're supposed to be the top people here. And when we got there, we got so scared from them. And if we get scared from them, then we lose Hashem's umbrella. If you get scared from a human being, what you think he's controlling you, you're scared of what they say, you're scared of the Lashon Hara that's being spoken about you, you're scared of that? You really are? You think Lashon Hara can affect you? You're scared of that powerful person because if you say the wrong thing, he may not give you money or may not give you a job. You're scared of that? Is that really what you're scared of? When you're scared of someone down here, that means you're not declaring Hashem as the Melech. And if you're scared of them, then you're going to be under the nature. And Hashem won't help you. They knew Hashem could help them. That wasn't the problem. They knew Hashem's abilities. They saw it. But Hashem's abilities is according to your connection to Him. They said to them, look at us. We got there. We got there. We're all bitahan. We're all believing Hashem. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we saw these giants and we melted. And if you didn't do the same thing like us, we're going to lose Hashem's ashkaha. And in nature, I don't know that we can beat these guys. I'll give you a great example of this in Yahushua. A story we learned, all of us learned when we were younger. Hopefully we learned it again since. The story of Yahushua Binun when he came to catch, capture Eretz Yisrael. The first place they went to was Yeriha. When they went to Yeriha, they surrounded the city. They went seven times. They made Hakafot seven times. And the walls fell. The place is destroyed. They took it over. Simple. No casualties. Easy. Miraculous. The next city was called Ai. 
Ayin Yud. When they went to the Ayin, Pasuk says, they went to fight. They went two or three thousand people. Thirty-six of them died. Shloshim ish. That was a catastrophe. Nobody's supposed to die if Hashem's fighting the war. What does that mean? Yerihon, they didn't even fight. All of a sudden, they go to Ai, 36 died? How did that happen? Yeshua Minun can't believe what's going on. Hashem tells him, listen, Hatai Yisrael, somebody messed up. There's a guy, his name was Achan, and he took from the spoils of Yerihon. Nobody was allowed to take it. He took. And because of that, he took from the spoils. Hashem said, don't do that. He didn't listen to Hashem. And because of that, casualties. So the first question is, what did the 36 people have to do with Achan? If he took, what did they do? So there's a rule which I'm not going to go into right now. The rule is, call Yisrael Aravim Zerazah. We're all responsible for each other. And if we allowed a person to take, we maybe the atmosphere was such that it led to such a situation or whatever it is when Jews do something wrong and we either helped or didn't help when we're supposed to help so we are held accountable let's not get into that right now into the details so therefore even though only one man sinned 36 people died good simple answer says that al he's I don't stand okay 36 died I get it. We're all responsible for each other. But how could it be that he didn't, didn't die? Achan himself did not die. Achan later on, they found him and then they, they, they found that he was the one that did it. He said, I understand that 36 could die because of their responsibility. But how could it be the guy who actually did it? He didn't die. That's a question. Says the Rambag. Says the Rambag, the rule of the Ramban. The one that we learned at the beginning of the class. When you lose your bitahon in Hashem, you become ne'ezav lamikrim. You become under the nature. He says the 36 wasn't necessarily a punishment that they died. It's just that when the Jewish people were not trusting in Hashem, so now they went from this umbrella to that umbrella. In that umbrella, you're under nature. In nature, when you go to war, people die. It's normal. That's what happens in war. It's not shocking if people come back from war and there are casualties. It's shocking that they don't that they don't come back with casualties. And he says, and Achan didn't go to war. That's all. He wasn't part of the people who went to fight in the eye. This was not a punishment per se. It was just the natural consequence. If you trust in Hashem, He's watching over you. Then you can destroy Yericho and nothing will happen. And if you don't trust in Hashem, then you're under nature. What happens under nature? If you go to war, some people might get killed. That's part of being under nature. And Achan did not go to war, happens to be. Only a few thousand went. He wasn't one of them. And therefore nothing happened to him. Now, I want to tell you something about this. So far, we learned 
the two major differences between living under Hashem's umbrella, when, you're, when you need something in your life, just remember, the next time you need something, which is right now, because we all need things all the time, but especially if you need something, sometimes we feel a greater need for things than others. Really, Hashem's world is no difference between the Shiduch, between having a child, or between breathing, it's all the same. But in our mind, we have such bitahon, the oxygen in our lungs, that we don't feel we have to turn to Him. But really, in reality, everything that we have, He's controlling. So the next time we ask for something, because we feel desperate for that thing. So if we're turning to Him, we're saying, Hashem, you are the one who controls everything. I'm turning to you. You're under his umbrella. Under his umbrella, A, you will feel the connection. When you get, you will know it's him that gave it to you. You will feel it. He'll give it to you in a way where you will feel that was Hashem's gift. And B, if under the nature you weren't supposed to get, in his umbrella, you could still get. If under nature, you weren't supposed to make it, under his umbrella, you can make it. Those are the two major differences between being under Hashem's hashkaha or being ne'ezav lamikrim, where you're under nature. Now let me tell you something about this bitahon business. This is very important to know. The Pasuk says in Tehillim, Rabim Machobim Larasha. A Rasha has a lot of pain. Machobim don't necessarily mean external pain. Internal pain is also pain. You have no idea what the Rasha is going through. In your eyes, he may look like everything is perfect. But you have no idea what's going on in his house, in his family, with his children, in his mind, in his pain, in his hunger for honor or for respect or who knows what. You have no idea. Says David Melech, I'm telling you, Rabim Mach Obim Larasha. It's a guarantee. A Rasha is living with a lot of pain. Don't be fooled by the sunglasses. Don't be fooled by the car. Don't be fooled by the smile. Rabim machovim larasha. That's the beginning of the Pasuk. He continues and he says, But the one who has bitahon in Hashem, the one whose security blanket is Hashem, he will be surrounded with kindness. So simply when you read the Pasuk, it sounds like there are two different people here. There's Rasha, who's experiencing a lot of pain. And then there is a Boteyah Bashem that is surrounded with kindness. Says the Midrash, wrong. That's not the Pshat. Says the Midrash, is the same person as the beginning of the Pasuk. 
אפילו רשע, הוא בוטח בשם. Now that's a hard thing to be. To be a רשע and בוטח בשם. I don't think we're רשעים. Hopefully not. And we're still struggling with בוטח בשם. To imagine a רשע and בוטח בשם, it's a little hard to imagine. But even on a theoretical understanding, imagine a רשע, but he's בוטח בשם. He is completely, completely under Hashem's umbrella. He knows every breath he takes from Hashem. He knows everything he eats from Hashem. He knows his securities from Hashem. He's boteah Hashem. Is there any value to a boteah Hashem if the person is a rasha? Imagine, there's a rasha over there. He's the worst. He does everything wrong. But he's boteah Hashem. Says the Midrash. The Pasuk is saying, even if he's a rasha, it still works. You meaning to be under Hashem's umbrella, you don't have to be a tzaddik. You could be under the um, you could have a tzaddik under the umbrella of nature if he's not boteah Hashem, and you could have a rasha. Under Hashem's umbrella, if he is Boteyah Hashem. Like the Hafez Hayim says, Veda'od, he says, you should know. Demidata bitahon. This bitahon, en talui bizchutim. It's not dependent on zechut. Not your merits. Not how big of a tzaddik or you are. Even if you're not a good person, a good person. But you strengthen your bitahon in Hashem. The power of your bitahon will protect you and Hashem will do kindness with you. This is repeated by the Ramban. In fact, the Nefesh Hayim writes, he calls it Anyan Gadol, very big Anyan, he says. Usgula Nifla'a. He calls it a, a wondrous Sigula, something special that he's going to give us. That a person, he says, Lehaser. Ulbatel me'alav. Kol dinin. Veretsonot aherim. If a person has din, lo alenu on him. Din means some not good things happening. Or he has people against him. He said, I'm going to give you segula nifla. I'm going to give you a tremendous segula. You need something. You're suffering with something. You're lacking something. You're going through hard times. Segula nifla'a. What's Segula nifla'a? He says, Kesheha Adam koveya belibo. When you can plant and set into your live to say, Halo Hashem hua elokim anamiti. Only Hashem has the power. Ve'en od milevado. And there's nothing besides Him. If something happens, it has to go through him. 
אין עוד מלבדו. Nobody has control over my life. No one can decide my destiny. Nothing can happen. אין עוד מלבדו. It is only him that's in full control. He says, when you're קובעה בליבו, I don't have to say it. And not enough to put on your bumper sticker and your car. And all the Levado stickers, they don't do anything. They don't mean anything. So maybe it's a good start, but it doesn't really mean anything. It's not the words. It's something real. And all the Levado says, the Nefesh Ha'im, if you do that, you're switching umbrellas. And when you switch umbrellas, you have a whole different system over there. So whatever dinim was going on in the nature, whatever was happening in the natural world, you can just step out of that. Step to the sideline and go here. Over here is a whole different set of rules. In nature, yeah, this wasn't going to happen. Under his umbrella, it could happen. This was supposed to happen in nature. Under his umbrella, it won't happen. Now what does it mean that it's not dependent on zechut? What does that mean? Why would a rasha who has bitahon, how can he sit under Hashem's umbrella? So I believe, I think, that this is what it means. What Hazal is trying to teach us is that the way this umbrella system works, it's part of nature. It's not reward or punishment. It's not... Hashem says, oh, you don't trust in me? I'm leaving you. It's not like that. It's not a punishment. Hashem created a nature. And nature doesn't care about Rishaim and Tzadikim. For example, I've told you this before. Did you ever see a Rasha jump and gravity doesn't pull him down? How come gravity doesn't say, listen, this guy's a Rasha. Hashem created me, not for Rishaim. If a guy jumps, let him keep going. I'm not, I'm not bringing him down. Why doesn't gravity, part of nature, reject a rasha? Because nature does not differentiate between a tzaddik and a rasha. If a rasha puts a an egg to hard boil, right? The hot water doesn't say, or the egg doesn't say, shalom. I'm not boiling for that guy. It's a rasha. I'm not boiling for him. Moshe, I'm boiling for him. I'm going to do Ritzon Hashem. And this guy, look at what he's doing. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing my job. No, no. In nature, nature does not differentiate between a tzaddik and a rasha. What Hazal is telling you over here is bitahon is part of the rules of nature. It doesn't matter if you're a tzaddik or a rasha. It's part of nature. It's not a punishment. It's not a reward. It's a reality. The reality is that if you turn to Hashem, then He is the one directly watching over you. Nature. doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. The very fact that you turn to Him, it pushes a button. The button is, Hashem, I'm here for you. Meaning, I know that everything is from you. And therefore, he's not watching over you. And if you don't do that, you're in the other camp. That's the way it works. 
And I want you to know because this is nature, because this is so natural, so it doesn't only apply to relationships between us and God. Things in the natural world apply to everybody. So we've been speaking this whole class about bitahon in Hashem, where He can He is watching over you directly, or not bitahon Hashem, where you're under nature. But really, it works in all relationships. Let me explain. The Gemara says in Masechet Hulin. Interesting Gemara. Says the Gemara when it comes to eating. How much should a person spend on his food? Each person can afford. Some can afford less. Some can afford more. How much should you eat? Or maybe how much should you spend on your food? So the Gemara says, you should always spend or eat and drink a little less than you can afford. So, if you can afford $50, go for 40 What about clothing? When you go shopping for clothing, how much did you spend on your clothing? So it says here, meaning clothing according to what you can afford. If you can afford 100, wear 100. If you can afford 200, 200. You don't have to go less when it comes to clothing. It says the Gemara, what about what you buy or you honor your wife and your children. How much did you spend on them? Less? The same? Says the Gemara. Of course, you all know this Gemara. I figured. The only Gemara you all know. Very nice. Amazing. I've been talking for two hours. Not one person knew what a word I said. <laughs> Says the Gemara. When it comes to his wife and children, spend on them more than you can afford. More than you have. That's the Gemara says. Now, as nice as this might seem, it doesn't make any sense. And it's obvious why it makes no sense. You can demand from someone to spend less. You can demand from someone not to spend at all. You could demand from someone to spend what he has. But how is it humanly possible to spend more than what you have? This is before the days of you know, cash advance. And before credit cards, but what, what? What are you? What are you telling the guy? I have a hundred dollars. Spend two hundred. I don't have two hundred. What does that mean? It's like telling a person to jump to the moon. You can't. What do you want from me? I can't do it. What kind of, what kind of commitment is that? To give him more? The yoter mi How could that be? It's physically impossible. The answer is what the Gemara ends. The Gemara says, listen to this powerful line, this Gemara. The Gemara says, Mi pene, you know why? 
And the Gemara knows this is a Hiddush. What is this? How, how, do you, how do you do that? Says the Gemara, Mi Pene, because your family, your wife, your children, Teluyim Becha. The word Talui means they depend on you. They don't have their own source of income. They don't have the ability themselves to get anything that they want or need. So when they need something, you're their address. They look to you. They need it from you. That means their bitahon is who? Is you. When someone has bitahon in you, and automatically, and you are under Hashem's umbrella, then Hashem will have to give you. Because the nature of the world is that the one that you fully look to and have your trust in them, they, in turn, will have to be able to help you. Bitahon is not only in Hashem. If you turn to Hashem, now He's there for you. If you turn to another person and only He can help you, then Hashem will give Him so that they can help you. So don't look at yourself and say, oh, I can't afford it. No, no. Hello, don't you, don't, don't forget. They're relying on you. If you realize that responsibility that people are relying on you, once you, have, once you feel that responsibility, then automatically you become empowered to help and be able to help them. I'll give you another example. Moshe Rabbeinu, when Am Yisrael was complaining about having meat, they wanted meat. Moshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem, I don't have meat. He says, Me'ayin li basar. Where, where am I getting meat? Latet lekol amazin. Millions of people, they want meat. Where am I getting meat in the desert? He tells Hashem, He anuchi hariti et kol amazin. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you giving me this job? Did I conceive? Was I pregnant with these people? Im ani yalitiu. Did I give birth to them? That you're telling me? Lead them, carry them. It's just too heavy for me. So our rabbis ask, why did Moshe have to add that in? At the end of the day, they wanted meat, he didn't have meat. Tell Hashem, I don't have meat. May I leave us up? Why do you have to introduce, oh, listen, Hashem, was I pregnant with them? Did I give birth to them? What's the difference? Let's say he was pregnant with them. Let's say he did give birth to them. So what? The answer is that Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to Hashem like this. If I gave birth to them, then I would have the aharayut, the responsibility of a mother. And if I'm a mother, then 
Even if there's no meat in the desert, if my children need meat, I'll figure it out. I'll be able to get meat in a place where there's no meat. Because I have the responsibility of a mother, but I'm not their mother. They don't look at me as their mother. I'm a responsible leader, not a mother. And therefore, there is no way that I can get them to meet. Because according to the responsibility that a person has, is his ability to be able to give. Moshe says, if I had the responsibility of a mother, I can get meat. A mother can find a way to feed her children, even if there's nothing around, she'll figure it out. Because she feels the achrayut. Because her kids need her. And she's their address. Hashem will make her be a machine of food just because her children need her. There's no choice. But Moshe says, I'm not their mother. So when it comes to food, I can't be doing, I, I can't do this. It's not possible. That's why, by the way, when Moshe Rabbeinu asked for help, he needs more people to help him in leadership. He told Hashem, I can't carry this nation by myself. Because it's too heavy for me. Hashem tells him, okay, fine. Gather 70 elders. Hashem says to Moshe, I'm going to take from the ruach. Ruach means a spirit, means talent, energy that I gave you. I'm going to take from you and I'm going to give it to all of them. So the question is, doesn't Hashem have plenty of ruach? Why does he have to take ruach from Moshe Rabbeinu? Leave Hashem, leave Moshe. Leave him with his ruach. You want to give people ruach? You want to give the elders ruach? Give them ruach. Hashem has plenty of ruach. Ruach means ability. Ruach means kawah. Ruach means talent. Why does he have to take ve'at salti mina ruach asher alecha? I'm going to take from the ruach that's on you ve'samti alehem and I'm going to give it to them. The answer is very simple and very powerful. That how much ruach do you have in your life to do, to help, to accomplish. How much ruach do I have? The answer is, you have enough ruach for the responsibility that you took upon yourself. According to the responsibility that Hashem gives you, that's how much ability you have. People think, oh, if I had the ability, then I could take the responsibility. But it's hafuch. You get ability when you take responsibility. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, listen, till now you were by yourself leading the Jewish people. So I gave you enough ruach for the entire nation. Now that you're splitting with 70, I need to take some of that ruach away because it's no longer your responsibility. You know, a mother, can she raise one child? The answer is no. Unless she has one. Can a mother raise 20 children? Could you imagine raising 20 children? Is that possible? 20 children. Say 20 children? 
impossible. I mean, I remember I had like two or three, I couldn't handle them. 20 children? Impossible. You can't have 20 children. The answer is you're right. But if you had 20 children, then you could. If you have two, you have the power for two. And if you have four, you have the power for four. And if you have 10, you have power for 10. Never say that I can't do it, have another child. You're right. You can't do it now because you don't have a child. Because the ability comes with the responsibility. The greater the responsibility, the more ability. Because when you have a child, they need you. When they need you, they turn to you. When they turn to you, they're turning on the button of bitahon in who? In you. And Hashem will give you if you take that responsibility to be able to give it to them. That's why it says, Rabbi Hanina says in Masechet Ta'anit, he says, Harbe lamadti mirabotai. He's a great rabbi, this man. He said, I learned so much from my rabbis. I learned so much Torah by, from my rabbis. Umehaberai and from my havrutot. Yoter mirabotai. From my Havrutot, I learned more than my rabbis. Havrutai, you learn all day. Rabbi, you get to hear Shi'ur once in a while. But look at this statement that he makes. He's trying to give his credentials. This is like his, uh, you know, his resume. Like, you want to know, like, who, who are you? You qualified to teach? So let me tell you, I learned a lot of Torah from my rabbis. From my Havrutot, I learned more. Umitalmidai, yoter mikulan. And from my students, I learned more than all of them. Now, if I saw someone like that, I would say, I'm sorry, I can't hide you. You learned, you learned most of your Torah from your students. What kind of rabbi is that? What does that mean? He learned more from his students. So the answer is like this. When a rabbi stands in front of a class, or a teacher, it's not only in Torah, anyone who's ever taught a day in their life will vouch for this. It sounds so weird what I'm going to say right now. It's going to sound like off. Anyone who's taught a day will vouch for this. That when you're sitting in a class, you have 15, 20, 30 kids, whatever it is. And you're learning something with them. And all of a sudden, somebody has a question. They're asking a question on the Pasuk, on the Gemara, on the Shin, Tosfor. They have a question in Musar and Hashkafa. And now, all of a sudden, you hear the question. You never thought about the question in your life. And all of a sudden, an answer pops into your brain. And you start answering on the spot. And the kids in the class are like, wow, Rabbi, you're such a genius. What a gaon you are. Can't believe it. You thought of this question already. Not only you thought of the question, you already have the answer. And of course, the Rabbi looks around and says, of course not. Big Sadiq. I'm everything. It could be in mathematics. It could be in science. It could be in anything. <coughs> Every teacher knows that somehow, while you're teaching, 
Somebody asks something, you never thought about it in your life. And all of a sudden, it comes in. Where did it come from? And it sounds so great. The answer is that these students have only one person to turn to when they have a question. They have nobody else. You're their teacher. You're the guy. So you're like, oh, I need help. What does it mean here? Once they turn to you as their bitahon, it's you that they're looking to, Hashem will give you the ability to give them the right answer. It may not make sense when you hear it. It may seem far-fetched. But like I said, anybody you know that has ever taught a day will testify that this is a fact. It's daily. Things are going on and all of a sudden you give them what they need to hear. Says Rabbi Haina, I learned things from my Talmidim that I never learned from my rabbis, from my Havrutot. I was asked questions left and right, things I never learned before. And somehow I got the answer. Wait, how'd you get the answer? They know the, know the answer. You never learned it before. So how'd you get the answer? Hashem gives it to you. Because if you feel the responsibility, Hashem gives you the ruach. Hashem gives you the ability. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu was in Har Sinai by the Egel. Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, they messed up. He tells them, he tells them, Lech, Lech Red, go down. Your nation messed up. They, they, they're doing the egg. Lechred, go down. Hazal asked Mezek, Lechred, go down from what? Says Rashi, Shalom, Red Migdulatcha. Meaning you're no longer the same stature, Moshe Rabbeinu. You were much higher when you came to Har Sinai. Now, 40 days later, you're not the same guy. Sorry, Moshe. You were went down in your gadlut. Why? What did he do? Imagine the man is in Har Sinai for 40 days, what did he do? Because they served the egg, they, they bowed to the egg, they made the egg. What does that have to do with him? Says Rashi, Allah Shalom, Shekol Gedula, Shenatati Lecha, all of the greatness, the wisdom, the ruach, Everything I gave you, Bishvil Yisrael it was because you are leading them. I gave it to you for them. I gave the mom the power for her children. I gave the rabbi the power for his students. I gave you all the gedulah because of their gedulah. And now that they went down, so then you don't need the gedulah anymore. That's the responsibility what it does. It's a rule of nature. When you turn to somebody and say, I need you, not only Hashem. When you turn to someone, I need you, you empower them. That's what the Hafez Hayim says. Unbelievable. He says, I have a proof from the Torah how this works. By Lot. Lot did something that even as we talk about it now, we're not going to believe it. Lot is surrounded. His house is surrounded by the people, demonstrations by the people of Sedom because he brought in guests to his house. They want to kill him. They want to kill them. 
or they want to take them out. He did a terrible crime in their city, taking in Hachnasat Orhim. Look at the deal that he gives them. I, I really don't understand it, but just, just let's read it together. He tells them, listen guys, he's defending, remember, he's Abraham's student after all. He tells him, listen, I have two girls, I have two daughters. I'll give them to you. Take. Take my daughters. He took his daughters and he threw his daughters out into this mob scene. Could you imagine that? Do whatever you want to them. But don't touch these people. Now, how he put his daughters like that, I don't know. But let's not, let's not lose focus now. He did something wild, okay? He said, but I do not touch these people. Now, who are these people? Well, they're your brother, your uncle, is it? They're strangers. Why is Lot so concerned? Where did he have the strength to literally give up his own daughters to save these people? Look what he says. Ki alken ba'u betzel korati. Because they came to me to protect them. They came to me to help them. They're looking to me as the one that's there for them. Says the Hafez Haim, you see, from Lot. That even Lot understood that if someone turns to you and you're the one that's their savior, all of a sudden you feel this power to be able to help them. And by lot, even at the cost of sending your own children away, just to help them. That's the power, the natural power of Hashem, what He made in this world. That who you turn to, you're going to be in their hands. That's why the Pasuk says, Tenu oz lelokim. Tenu oz means, give strength to Hashem. Says David Melech, give Hashem strength. Now, if I didn't see this in Tehillim, I would say this is this is kfirah. Give strength to Hashem. We're gonna give strength to Hashem. How could you give strength to Hashem? He's the source of all strength. I'm gonna give him strength. The answer is that Hashem loves us more than anyone loves us. When you love somebody, take a child that you love your child. What would you not give them if you know it's good for them and you know it brings them pleasure? Now sometimes in life you want to give but you can't. You don't have. And sometimes you have but you don't want to give. But imagine you have and you want to give. Would you not give? Of course you give your own children. You love them. Nobody loves us more than Hashem. That's for sure. The little love that our parents have for us, it's only a little example of the love Hashem has for us. Even the love that they have, He gave it to them. They naturally love us. He gave them that love. He said, one day old and the parents are already dying for the kid. Oh, it's so gorgeous, so cute. I love him. Where'd you get that from? Hashem gave it to you. Hashem loves us more than anybody else in the world. And guess what? He can do it. He can do anything he wants. Anything and everything he can do. 
But what happens when we don't let him give us? You know how painful it is when you have and you want, but you can't. Because you know that if you give it to your son, it's not good for him. He's crying, he's suffering, but you can't do it. Mom, you're making me miserable. Why are you not giving me this? Why are you not doing that? I'm, and you see and you're crying for him. And you can give it to him, but you won't. Because it's not good for him. It's painful. You know how painful it is for Hashem when he sees us and he wants to give us? He wants to give us. And he could give us. But we don't let him. Because we don't look to him. We look somewhere else. When you look somewhere else, you weaken him. That's what the Pasuk says. Tzur yiladecha. Tzur means the strength, the power. Hashem is all powerful. If you do anything he wants. Yiladecha. He gave birth to you. He loves you. He wants to give you. Tzur yiladecha. Teshi. Teshi means you weaken him. How'd you weaken him? You didn't allow him to be there for you. He wants to be there for you. But he couldn't. Because you turned elsewhere. It says David Melech, Tenu Ozle looking. Give Hashem the strength to help you. Turn to him. And Od Milevado. When you pray, realize only he can give you. Your tefillah should be a different tefillah. When you're about to do something, no, it's in his hands. Yes, you have to make hishtablut. Whatever it might be, health issues, shiduch issues, children issues, anything that's going on in your life. Tenu oz. Give him the strength to be there for you. You give him the strength by deciding to be under his umbrella. You weaken him when you go into the other umbrella. When you're ne'ezav mikrim, like the Ramban says, so you weaken Hashem, because now He can't give you, because it's the rule of nature. The rule of nature is, whoever you rely on, He becomes, you pushed His power. You now empower them to be there for you. And there's nothing more powerful than the Creator of the world. And when we turn to him, we empower him, to give us. This is the two choices we have in life. One choice is to live under nature. Two very big results. Number one, we're left to receive from nature, not from Hashem. We're not going to feel the relationship. And B, we're going to be bound to nature and whatever programming Hashem already put in based on our situation. Or we could turn to the other umbrella and we could feel the relationship, the pleasure of living with Hashem constantly. And we will be above nature. The decision will come from Him. And he is above nature. It's so powerful to know this information and with Hashem's help to try to live it. Because as we practice it, we will see the difference 
very clear. One day at a time. Baruch Alayhi Alam, Amen, Amen.